0: morning church uh, for those who may not know me I'm Mallory I dabble and am nosy enough to kind of just be everywhere um, I'm a part of the college of preachers here at the table where we learn to uh, gospel one another proclaim good news uh, I would be lying if I didn't confess that I woke up at about 5 a.m this morning and rewrote half of this sermon so This po' boy sandwich, this Cajun po' boy sandwich from last night, either ushered in the Holy Spirit, or it's going to do us dirty today. Let's jump in. (laughs) In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, this week, we are continuing in our sermon series, Living the Politics of Jesus in a Partisan America. We are working through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' political manifesto, if ever there was one. A few weeks back, Father Matt said, Christians are either baptizing their politics or sick and tired of the entire thing. We are advocating and contending that Jesus didn't come to offer us a spiritual life, but rather to give us a new way to be human in the world. Father Ben said, Christians are either getting sucked into the us versus them antagonisms and polarities of American politics or trying to stay above. the ignoring it or trying to be neutral. Christians are either grounds, or they're checking out in the name of a false narrative of peace and meekness. Most, I might assume, pulling straight from our text today. Give your enemies the other cheek. Give your enemies all that you have. Let your enemies walk all over you. It's the way of Jesus. Friends, our country and community and friends and enemies may be trying to back us into a partisan corner. Only this or that, but today, let Jesus give us a third way. Church, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus didn't give us a sit down and take it gospel. Rather, Jesus gave us a new way to confront injustice with kingdom power through cruciform and creative love. Church, lay down your urge to retaliate today so that you can stand up with the power of heaven. We're continuing on in our examples of our light and heavy commandments, remembering that Jesus doesn't abolish the law that has been given, but he fulfills it. Let's take a quick look at the culture of Jesus' audience as a precursor to our text today. Law of reciprocity, vengeance, and retaliation were common practices in Jesus' time. In our cultural understanding, an eye for an eye language has been used as a call to vengeance, but it was at the time a call to de-escalate personal revenge among the people. Revenge is never satisfied, so tense interactions would escalate and escalate until entire families were wiped out. With the eye for an eye command, you can only punish up to what has already been done. If you ran over someone's chicken, you owed them a chicken. You can't take out little Billy because you're angry. This was an honor and shame society. In Jesus, when he gives us these light and heavy examples, is operating under this assumption. He knows the social rhetoric for family dynamics, friendship, and employment. The examples he uses are interactions that his audience have seen and experienced firsthand. There was a collective understanding that you treat people the way people treat you. Evil for evil, good for good, love those that love, give to those who can repay, honor and shame are currency. Now, knowing that the America we live in was built on eye for eyes, stomps on our enemies, and just speak louder and meaner than the other guy in this debate, we proclaim the good news that Jesus didn't give us to sit down and take it gospel. Rather, Jesus gave us a new way to confront injustice with kingdom power through cruciform and creative love. Church, lay down your urge to retaliate today so that you can stand up with the power of heaven. Jesus says, do not resist an evil person. We read it today, oppose. This resist here means do not compete with an evil person in their wrongdoings, not on their terms. Jesus is giving permission to stop the first step of retaliation and retribution. It's a call to break the never-ending cycle. Instead, you are freed from this honor and shame society you've been given. You no longer have to buy into this cramped system that dictates you take it or you power up. For time's sake, I'm going to hone in on this eye for an eye, turn the other cheek example, because it embodies the same meaning as the other examples Jesus gives us in the text. But if you want to hear more, I got plenty to say. So come to the table chat or hit me up. (laughs) Jesus says, you have heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Being slapped was a huge offense. It was incredibly degrading. And a lot of times, superiors did this to inferiors as a way of reminding them where they stood. It's a power play. Our culture even has a specific name for this kind of slap. But there are little ears around here, so I'm going to keep that one to myself. (laughs) Logistically, the only way to slap the right cheek of a person in front of you is with the back of your right hand. Left hand, that's your hygienic hand, that's a no-no hand. If If a slave or an employee was slapped by their master, they had two options according to the law of reciprocity. They can either take it or they can slap them back. To take it meant public shame and humiliation. To slap back meant a potential beating or you just lost your job and most likely the ability to get hired anywhere else. It's a lose-lose for the oppressed because both mean shame on you. But instead, Jesus turns to them, says, turn to them the other cheek. And here's the brilliance of Jesus. If you only backhand an inferior, then a slap to the other cheek is to slap the left cheek with an open palm. And in Jesus' time, you slap equals with an open palm. A slap on the other cheek is making your enemy acknowledge your humanity. Turning the other cheek is putting the oppression on full display and thus showing your enemy, I am more than the shame you're thrusting on me and you aren't who you think you are either. So resisting here isn't being passive. It's not hitting your enemy back, but letting him who ridiculed you acknowledge your dignity and personhood. You are no longer being defined by the shame of your enemy, and you are no longer allowing your enemy to look over the repercussions of their actions. Mike Irie from the Vox podcast that we've been using for this series mentioned the Bloody Sunday March that Senator John Lewis led in Selma, Alabama as a brilliant example. Protesters were beaten, intimidated, and pushed back from their intent to march to Montgomery. They resisted the evil with nonviolence, not by passivity, but by letting their enemies be broadcast to the world. Cameras captured the violence and hateful rhetoric, and the entire world got to see what happened on that bridge. After the world saw, the protesters marched again, holding their enemies accountable for their actions. Their, their oppressors, oppressors could beat them again in front of the world, or they could acknowledge the oppression and let them through. This was giving their enemies the other cheek. I'm reminded of a strategy that many women use when faced with verbal sexual assault. Women have been using the strategy of ignorance to call men to accountability for their words. If a man says something inappropriate to you, we have learned that you can, what do you mean, them, until they have to reckon with the words they speak to us. No longer am I allowing you to call my body dangerous or shameful or embarrassing in the name of your enjoyment. You must answer for your words, you said. State those words again or own them and repent. We see this in the Black Lives Matter movement of Say Her Name. You will no longer dehumanize those you have crushed. Acknowledge what has been done and to whom you have done it. Church, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus didn't give us a sit-down-and-take-it gospel. Rather, Jesus gave us a new way to confront injustice with kingdom power through cruciform and creative love. Church, lay down your urge to retaliate today so that you can stand up with the power of heaven. Friends, don't let this good news just be a quirky new strategy to defeat your enemies. Rather, let us see this as an invitation to our humanity, as a way to see the image bearer of Christ in us and in front of us. Let us see that our humanity is the same, our shame is the same, that we are called out of the hierarchy and pain into a new way of loving our neighbor, into a new way of loving our enemy. This way isn't just a call to nonviolence and non-retaliating. It is partially that, but it's more than that. It's an invitation to be present in a new way. As a predominantly white Christian church community in America, we don't have many people slapping us in the face. Don't hear me say it doesn't happen. I don't want you to hear me denouncing your individual stories. But as a whole, we relate to Jesus's audience in our understanding of retaliation and power, not in our oppression. To advocate for the humanization for the oppressed and marginalized today is to be able to wade into the suck and pain of the world, and be present to the broken and hurting, not just in our joy, but also in our pain, to be present to the injustices around us, to be present to even the ones doing the breaking and hurting, but in a different way, a new way. It's easy as people of privilege to dehumanize those oppressing and turn our heads away from those being slapped again and again. It's also incredibly easy to take the high ground and request forgiveness at all costs. And yes, as Christians, forgiveness is part of our DNA. It ushers in redemption and healing. But friends, let us not allow forgiveness to hinder us from calling out oppression and hatred. Let us not allow our broken and bruised brothers and sisters to be forgotten in our attempt to make things right. Let us rally for the naming of injustice and forgiveness of our enemies and the repentance for wicked deeds. Let us rally for the emotional healing and care for our othered brothers. Let us advocate for the breaking of these vicious cycles of hatred. Church, I found myself this week unnerved, at my ability to so easily call our president a monster in a family discussion. There are acts of injustice and evil that must be called out and held accountable, yes. But I was faced with the thought that our president too was made in the Amago day. That was a fun little pre-bed shame spiral, y'all. <laughs> Take that, Kairos, at the beginning of the week, and three days later, the president has COVID. Maybe your initial reactions led you to mirror my Tuesday night shame spiral. Spencer read me a tweet this week that read, in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me because the joy I felt about today's news felt good for a minute, but only in the way that peeing my pants feels warm for a minute. And now it's cold and it smells bad and I'm embarrassed. <laughs> To see the personhood of an enemy, that is an invitation to a kingdom paradigm and a kingdom living. It is a call to cruciform living, to the laying down of my pride and honor and my want for vengeance so that kingdom justice might prevail. Friends, what I'm learning is I'm capable of slapping the face of the other. I'm capable of continuing the vengeance and retaliation until hatred wins church we're no longer pulled into the antagonisms of evil because of the power of christ within us we can name it and call it to a new way ordered under the kingship of god let our love in christ bring forth a new hermeneutic political rhetoric nonviolent assumptions and actions Let us exist together in mutuality, not through power and might of this world, but by the laying down of our pride, honor, and shame to realize that the fullness of the kingdom comes from cruciform living in love. Jesus is giving us an empowered imagination to love our friends and enemies with the creative love of the Father. Let us follow suit in dying to the idea that we aren't capable of the same missteps and wrongdoings of our enemies, so that we might stand up with the perfect love of heaven. Let us lay down selfish, self preserving ways to pick up the cross of Christ. Let the way of Jesus provoke the disbanding of dehumanization while we disband our othering of him that spit in our faces. We, enemy and friend, are image bearers of christ let us respond to this good news with a throwback let us return to that big juicy beatitude sandwich blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted church you are invited to be present to evil and hatred of this world knowing it will not overpower and end you Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Church, you are invited to stand up to the injustice of this world, knowing the King of the universe has filled you with creative love. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Church, you can forgive your enemy, walk in forgiveness, and call evil to be put in its place. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Church, you don't have to walk in passivity because you are image bearers of Christ. Church, if we believe that God is so real, he meets us in our reality, then we can respond with repentance for where we've created enemies. We can respond with kingdom justice where enemies continue to backhand. We can turn the other cheek where our enemies call ashamed. We can name it because God is there. Enemies, get back. You don't know me like that. Father Esau Macaulay writes, "Our call to self-sacrificial love must override and restrain our instinct for retaliation. Rather than reading these statements in the Sermon on the Mount as commands or laws to be obeyed, we ought to see them as illustrations of a life shaped by God's kingdom. They are examples of what happens when we consider what is best for the other person other than ourselves, even if that other person is our enemy friends this is kingdom work and you are safe to stumble mess up celebrate triumph and hope for more god cares about it more than we do and our call to be perfect as he is perfect is an invitation to embodied participation to see heaven as it is on to see earth as it is in heaven friends i encourage you this week As you are stirred to love your enemy, stirred to repentance, stirred to justice, to stop and be curious about what's going on inside of you. God is present and at work there. What does he want you to know? Church, who are your enemies today? Where do you need the creative love of the Father? Church, let us remember. Jesus didn't give us a sit down and take it gospel. Rather, Jesus gave us a new way to confront injustice with kingdom power through cruciform and creative love. Church, lay down your urge to retaliate today so that you can stand up with the power of heaven. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.